Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hey everyone, welcome back to Keynote. In our ongoing series on the history of social media, I recently had the great fortune to sit down with my old friend John Borthwick at Betaworks to talk to John about what he remembers about the origins of our social media age and how indeed it's changed us in this first quarter of the 21st century. John, do you remember the first time you heard the term social media? The first time I heard the term social media? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it was um, in the early days, early, early days of the internet, it was probably, yeah, it was early, early days of the internet. I, I think it was like, do you remember, do you remember Muds and Moves? No. So, um, these were text-based social uh, environments that were built in the early, early days of the internet. Uh, and you, you could think about it, think about it almost like a uh, text-based chat room uh, where there was a gaming element to it and you would show up in text-based chat room and the program would say to you, you're in a room, there's a door, uh, there is a window behind you and there's a fireplace roaring, uh, what do you want to do? And you say, I want to open the door. And there were groups of people who were doing this socially together. And so they were sort of uh, very, uh, I think that's probably the first time I heard social media, muds and moves. You, you started your internet career, one of your early jobs you had was at AOL. Can we date social, the social media age from the end of the AOL age? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, you know, one way to one way to frame up the beginning of social media is, you know, some people would say it was the start of Web two, and uh, I, I, I think it started before that, and I think the social aspects of the internet have been, you know, there from right at the very beginning, um, uh, because it is a network based media, and so it's oh, it's a ne network based medium. And so, uh, but but I think you can say that it was sort of with the start of Web Two. What's Web were. Two? So, you know, Web Two was sort of a branding term that was used for the um, the a, a transition that took place that you know started with the you know we would look at things like Tumblr and Twitter and Flickr and say that they were all Web2 companies. And I think over time, you know, sort of different people sort of uh, uh, branded it uh, or just like uh, defined it uh, uh, differently, but it was clearly a, a sort of second age of internet companies that all had a social dimension to them, all had a sort of, many of them were sort of, it was the beginning of the cloud. Um, and so, uh, cloud-based identity, cloud-based you know, uh, uh, media storage, 
case of Flickr. So that was kind of the definition of or the start of Web 2. A lot of people, John, associate web, uh, the social media age with the birth of blogging. Do you remember when you first heard about blogging? Yeah, yeah. So blogging, um, you know, very early internet days, um, we did a, I was running a company here in New York called Talk New York. And uh, we did a uh, sort of project where uh, we uh, came up with the idea that we would, uh, uh, there was an individual, a guy called Greg Allen, and that he would uh, drive on a motorcycle from Silicon Alley to Silicon Valley on his motorcycle. We strapped a webcam to his helmet, and every day he would do a daily log of his experience crossing the country and through the experience he would go or through the journey across the country he went to all of these seminal places in the creation of the internet that we could identify so he went to visit a great Tomlinson who came up with the ad sign in email addresses you know he went so he yeah, he obviously went to the MIT Media Lab. He went across the country, but every day he would do these uh, logs. And we sort of saw that through that experience. I saw that the, the value of daily logging uh, was, uh, was, uh, was the, there was something there. And then um, I was fortunate enough to meet Ev Williams. Um, and Ev and Meg were starting up. They had a... Uh, a project called Pyro Labs that was just becoming a uh, company and they had a first product which was called Blogger and uh, so I sat down with Ev and with Meg and I was fascinated by what they were doing because it seemed to sort of be the intersection of that sort of habit of daily logging or blogging um, matched with a very simple user interface to be able to just come in and either read or sign up and do the same thing. And so that to me was the beginning of blogging. That's how I first heard about blogging. And is blogging part of social media? Is it a piece? Was it the first chapter oh, yeah. in the history of social media? Yeah. yeah, I think it was the first. I think it was, I think blogging was one of the first sort of productized elements of social media. Many people associate the beginning of the blogging age with 9-11. Do you remember where you were on 9-11? Yeah, I was here in New York. And how did you find out about it? So, um, so I, uh, I have kind of a, you know, I think for people here in New York who, uh, you know, we all have a story about 9-11, my story you know, I, I went to work that day, I walked to work, um, I live in uh, Chelsea, and I was working on 6th Avenue and 18th Street, and I got to 6th Avenue, and I'm embarrassed to say that I saw a small group of people standing on the corner, it was this beautiful fall day, and I'm embarrassed to say I crossed the street, and I thought to myself, God, what are they doing? Oh. And I didn't turn around and look down the avenue because I would have seen that one of the towers at that point had been hit. Only one had been hit. 
uh, I went into the building on Sixth Avenue and uh, went uh, upstairs and uh, somebody from my team there uh, said to me, oh my God, you're not going to believe it, a small airplane uh, has hit uh, one of the towers, it's been this accident. And so I, um, there was a TV and, uh, you know, the TV was, uh, uh, the news channel was, uh, was showing the tower and, uh, and I sort of crossed across the office and then somebody screamed and said, oh my God, the second tower's been hit. And at that point, it sort of suddenly, you know, was sort of transformed from being an accident to, you know, a act, uh, to being a willful act, and you something you know, you had to like get your head around, but something very different was happening. So I raced downstairs at that point, and I stood on Sixth Avenue, and uh, saw both the towers on fire, and I, um, I, I saw the first tower come down, and uh, you know, you could there down Sixth Avenue and there were the towers and it was um, it was like it was melting it just kind of like imploded into itself with this you know sort of cloud of smoke and I uh, I watched that and I, then I went I went home my wife was actually pregnant with twins who were born you know 10 days after so they were born on September 20th and my girls and um so I just want to be with my wife. It was the, the last great event before the social media age, wasn't it? And everything you did was analog. You didn't check online. You didn't check your network. You mean it was the it was the first or the last? Are you saying it was the last? Like it was the closing act, perhaps of. A historical world about Internet One or the 20th century, or however you want to think of it, before yeah. the onset of our social media age. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that you know, if you uh, if you talk to uh, somebody who was like, if you talk to Steve Gates, the founder of AOL, I think that they would say that AOL was a social, you know, social internet platform because a lot of the social activity that happened on AOL is what held it together and what made it um, you know, something that you know, a lot of people wanted to jump into every day. But I think that you're, I, I think you're right that the, the media landscape didn't really transform until after that. The media landscape was still a very sort of controlled hierarchical analog media landscape. John, what is it about the word social that excites technologists in particular? Why have they fetishized this word? I think that, um, interesting question. I mean, I think the, um, you know, I don't think technology is, I don't think technology is neutral. I also don't think it is necessarily good or bad. But I do think that technologies have sort of a grain to them. And, and I think that um, 
So one answer could be simply that you know, one answer comes to mind is that you know sort of since the early age of technology we have tried to sort of use technology to replicate and extend but replicate the human experience so therefore we want technology to be social would be one uh, reason uh, a second reason is is that uh, by making a technology social I think that technology companies and technologists have viewed that as a way to uh, as a way to engage people in your product at a more sort of fundamental level than just a uh, a, a tool. And so, if you think about sort of the early desktop software products as sort of being tools, like you know, so Microsoft Office and the like. These social tools kind of bind people and get people interested in a much more fundamental way. And then, lastly, I would say, which is uh, a byproduct of that, is that it becomes a that when that is done and people engage other people uh, in the software tools as a social tool, it also becomes a source of marketing of organic marketing uh, that engages people in your tool. If, if 9-11 was the last act, the closing act of the pre-social media age, what was the first social media event? Uh, I can, I mean, I think about, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that, you know, Dig and Reddit um, and that sort of sense of, in Dig in the early years of like everybody swarming together to uh, sort of vote up, you know, one thing versus another. That was one of the early sort of memories of social media that I have. Um, I think that the um, uh, early days of Tumblr, very similar. I think early days of Kickstarter, where people were sort of socially driving, you know, sort of support for projects on Kickstarter. Um, I think about the, I mean, it's sort of orthogonal to the early, it's not really social media, but, you know, the early, early days of the internet, people would just share, there would be sort of like a thing that, you know, this phrase, that broke the internet, right? The, the, there were images, GIFs, and things which circulated, which people would look at every day, and there was that sense of common sort of binding of, of culture and of, of community of people that we all saw the same thing each day. What about an external event though? You mean uh, external? The election of Obama, the Arab Spring, the Occupy Movement, the Great Recession. Yeah, I mean I think the, the Occupy Movement was critical 
and was sort of central in a, uh, for a different dimension of social, and particularly the both as a political movement, but also as a sort of pseudonymous movement. Um, uh, I think that the Arab Spring was, you know, what happened in Tahrir Square was um, was a, it was a really, I mean, it was a transformative event at the time, although it didn't really transform that much because about four years later, Egypt was in a sort of you know, pretty much similar place. You know, so it didn't actually transform the society in the way that I think the people wanted. But at the time, it seemed like a transformative event. But it was a transformative event that could also be packaged by traditional media as being, oh, this is social media. And so in those days, I think that social media was... You know, both a was both transforming the information landscape, but it also needed you needed these sort of bite-sized, you know, sort of like things that could be televised and trans and 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 broadcasted on traditional media as components of uh, was examples of what social media was. You personally have done rather well out of social media, being an investor in some of the more successful early stage companies. Uh, but in overall terms, have you been disappointed with its promise, or at least disappointed that it hasn't delivered on many of its promises, or do you think it has them? Um, you know, in the aggregate, it's, um, it's it's hard to assess, uh, but I would say, you know, I, I, there's extraordinary things that social media have done and done for um, a large number of people in the world, and then there's extraordinary fucked up things that have happened. Um, and so I think that I think it was the arrival of you know how sort of the The monetization of social media and the fact that in many cases we companies took the sort of shortcut to monetizing through advertising, which in turn with the sort of machine learning, sort of early days of AI underpinnings of all of that sort of, you know, uh, of all that data. I think that really was the sort of pivotal moment that turned social media into a more of a destructive and constructive force in our society. What about the failure of all those political movements, the Arab Spring, the Occupy movement? And it seems as if the appropriation of social media increasingly by one kind of authoritarian government or another, secret services, uh, what's forces the of manipulation. What's the question? Uh, they, I mean, is that what has most disappointed you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the, but that is all part of that progression, right? If you think about, if you think about that evolution from deciding to monetize social media and using attention advertising-based monetization tooling, using machine learning in order to target, and then a handful of corporations slash governments realizing that they can go to those corporations and essentially get large troves of data that can uh, both predict and analyze and understand human behavior. That is the transition that I think Rio sort of has turned it into more of a destructive force in our society. Do you think we can describe this period between, say, 2000 and 2023, 20, 24, 25 as the social media age? The thing that defines the times we live in? Yeah, I think so. I think that it is. I mean, I think that it's, um, it has been, it has been the most constructive and destructive sort of technological force uh, in, and and I think it has completely reshaped our information landscape. You know, I, I often think about our information landscape as being flattened through that period, but in reality, it's being flattened into a network, and that network is you know connected uh, through uh, through social you know, sort of dynamic network of social connections, controlled by a handful of companies monitored by a handful of governments. And if it's rewired society, is it also re and rewired power? Is it rewired our brain? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the, um, I think we're only just starting to learn and understand the extent to which our brains, you know, that there is this loop of uh, you know how we use our attention into how you know our attention uh, our ability to give attention to things and our uh, sort of understanding of the sort of both uh, both in our brains and our physical sort of um, if we if if we're spending if we're spending so much time swiping up, swiping left, swiping right, clicking in order to do this, it rewires our brains to become you know these like very uh, you know sort of attention seeking uh, you know it, I would say you know short attention seeking satisfying creatures, and then coupled with that, you now think about you know, what, what's happening with AI, and you think about that the language models that are being trained right now, that many of them are being trained on the social uh, internet, right? Predominantly Reddit, but, you know, Elon Musk would say that Twitter is also being a key uh, asset there for language training. So what we're doing is we're now training uh, both models and these, you know, forms of intelligence, you know, who have now been sort of optimally trained with our social understanding, our social needs, dynamics, desires, fears, and 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 uh, 
and, and they understand that really well. These models understand that really well. So this AI revolution, the chat GPT, the generative AI, is the next chapter in social. It's not a new book in time. It's the next chapter in social. I mean, I think that um, the the team over at the Center for Humane Tech have referred to, uh, you know, a the first contact that we had with AI has been social media, and I think that that is a it's a nice way of encapsulating it. And if you think, when I first heard it, I was like, oh yeah. And then, then you think about all the behavioral data um, that has been, you know, for the last five, 10 years, has been used as a reflective mirror to basically target back to us, you know, advertising or additional content to click on, whether it's on YouTube or on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever it is, or TikTok that that is now being re-articulated as a agent or as an AI in ChatGPT that has a incredibly sophisticated fine-tuned model of just how our social intelligence operates as a species. And so it's, you know, I, I do think that the, uh, I, I, that I think that the first contact with AI was social media. So in these first 20 or 25 years of the social media age, we've, we've revealed our hand yeah. to the machine. Yeah, and, and we've revealed, we've also revealed, I, I like the, I like the re phrase re revealed our hand, but we've also, think about it, that we've revealed the extremities of our of our of our character because since social media has been monetized and created as an attention based you know, system uh, it has been designed to expose the extremities it's been des designed for people to post something really funny or really hateful or really fearful and so it continuously pushes to the edges so not only have we revealed our hand to these models, I think we've revealed, you know, both the uh, the best and the worst of us, and we've revealed more of the tale, more of the best and the worst than we have the sort of you know, middle, right? I mean, I think this was a design decision. I don't think this came from social media, but I've just been I've been fascinated by the assertiveness of the voice of some of these AI tools like ChatGPT and so um, you know that it, 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 um, it can be you know wildly fascinating and accurate about things it can also be wildly wrong but it is always very certain of itself and it could never happen without social it couldn't have happened without social media I mean the the internet was the bootloader for AI and social media has been the the bootloader for AI's character. John, you mentioned uh, earlier that your daughters were born just after 9-11. Um, mine was as well. This social media generation, for the kids who've grown up in social media, like our daughters, they seem particularly anxious. We've had an enormous crisis of 
of anxiety, of mental health. Is there a connection, do you think, between this age of, of anxiety and the age of social media? I mean, I think that I, that I do believe there's a connection. I'm not sure if it's a direct connection. I, I think that social media is definitely part of it. I think it's one of the sort of large drivers of anxiety, of depression, of the suicide rates that we're seeing. I think in addition to that, the devices in general, you know, outside of social media, just sort of our device culture, our mediated culture, right? I walk down the street and you walk and the amount of times that, you know, it's probably every, you know, every other block that I have to navigate somebody who's going to walk into me because they're staring at their phone as they're walking instead of like seeing... But are they staring at, they're staring at their network? They're not staring at their, whether to buy something on Amazon. Correct, correct. It's usually social. A lot of texting. But it's usually got a social, it's got a social vector to it, which is the thing which, <coughs> that's the thing that binds the anxiety and the need for, oh my God, I need to have that thing near me, right? I think it is. So, um, so I would say it's a large piece of what is driving the anxiety in our society. I also think, look, this is another dimension, Andrew, is I, I think we are living through, uh, you know, I had the... Um, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and uh, I think that in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of hangover from the Cold War and from the war growing up in the UK. And the 60s. And the 60s. And the, all the revolution and change that had taken place beneath that, right? I grew up with, you know, two, you know a mom and dad, both had been in the war, grandfathers, you know, parents, brothers who died you know, in the war, in the camps. In, so the whole war was part of my childhood in a very real way, the Second World War. The shadow of that sort of hung over. The 90s and the aughts, you know, sort of were this glorious period, right? You know, the Berlin Wall, it was just like this sense of, you know, the world was changing and it was, you know, there was a, uh, a sense of possibility uh, and I think we're now entering, and we're at the beginning of a, of a different age where you know, we are, you know, a lot of these sort of institutional structures that have supported and worked for the last 50, even 100 years, couple of hundred years, are being rethought and reconstructed. And so I think the anxiety um, that we feel, that our kids feel, um, is both for the future, uh, the future for a world with, you know, with climate, with geopolitical change, with the rise of China, with uh, all of the uncertainty that we feel around it, as being sort of an underpinning, uh, and so and social media wraps into that, and and also, uh, you know, has this uh, incredible power to fabricate uh, narratives around that, which I think make it just additionally. You know, hard to be uh, to be a human these days. Final question, John: Can social media make it easier to be a human? Can it help in rebuilding some of these institutions that, as you say, are now either derelict or redundant or lacking legitimacy? And above all, we don't trust them anymore. Can social media rebuild trust I mean, in institutions, in elites, in everything that we've lost faith in? 
Yeah, I, I think that the, it, 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 it is very, it's very hard to, it's impossible to do a full accounting of the, uh, of the benefits and the costs to society as a whole. A, because we can't measure half the things, right, because they are sort of deeply human characteristics that are just really not measurable, they're not going to be show up in productivity stats or any of that crap. But B, also because we're living in the midst of it, and so you know, we're trying to measure ourselves as we're sort of being boiled collectively as, you know, in, the, uh, in, the, in the water of social media and in the experience of it. And so I think that really getting that sort of objective understanding, I, I, I believe that every day there are people's lives who are transformed in a positive way by being able to connect, um, whether it's a text, whether it's a social media post, uh, that somebody else knows that somebody else is on the other end of that experience and is having a similar human experience, right? Quarterly human experience is shared experience that I am in it. I'm happy about something right now, I'm in pain about something right now, and you have the same malady as I do. And so that, I think social media has had the ability to connect people um, you know, in countless ways just for, um, uh, you know, for good. I also think that the uh, sort of underpinning, particularly the machine learning underpinning that we've constructed underneath social media has created a mechanism that we still don't fully understand how it's changed our brains and changed us and changed society. But we're in the middle of that soup. Mm.